Good to see everybody tonight. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I want to ask you something as we get into the, uh, our word tonight. What is, uh, and this is, I was thinking a lot about this last night, and, and um, I may have sent a text out to some different people. I don't remember exactly about this, but um, what is your, what's your calling, and what has God called you to do on an individual level? Now, I, I know what the Great Commission is, and I know, I know when God gives, you know, there's a blanket calling on all of our lives. Uh, but then there's this, this individual work that God is doing inside each one of us. And that work is, you know, he's always pushing and moving you to a different place in your life. And, and when I talk about calling, it's, it's, when you, it's when you seek the Lord and you really are devoted to his word and you hear the messages and you respond to them and you're, you're really looking for God to, to give you answers and direction in your life. And then you get it. And, and only you know when that is exactly, but you get it. Like something clicks, and you know what it is that you're supposed to do. When I was younger, I thought I just had a lot of, I had a way different perception about what that actually looked like because it does look like something. And I always had this idea that there was, um, oh, how do I, how do I say it? Oh, all right, I'll say it like this. There was, um, I talked to this old ex, uh, ex-pastor. He used to be a Pentecostal minister. And he admitted to me that in his early days that he believed that the calling on his life was going to put him in front of thousands of people. He was going to be an evangelist, a you know, large one, on a high scale, and preaching to all kinds of people. And he said, well, I did preach in front of thousands, but it was more collectively over my life than it was at one time. And he said, um, now this was his words, not mine, I'm not, and I'm not decorating this at all. His, his admittance to me was, you know, over the years, I used to think that, I used to think a, a message wasn't a good message unless it was screamed and shouted and a little bit of spit accidentally hit somebody. That was a good message. And he said, I would, I would say, and I remember him saying these words, he said, that'll preach right there, that'll preach. And he said, and I like to listen to messages like that. But he said, over the years, as I've gotten older, now he's, he's at a stage now where this is not even long, it's no longer possible for him to be able to do those kind of things. And he said, I have found that the most important thing is just the word and the word alone. The truth that I derive from the pages of this book in everyday living is the most important thing that I could have ever received. And to him, that was like, that was a revelation. And he ministered for a couple decades, you know, I really spent some time uh, in, in preaching and ministering and things like that. And he found something and it clicked, even after all those years. And um, this was on a very personal scale, on a personal level. And, and I began to examine my own life and and begin to look at the things that God called me into when I was young. And I, I would seek his face, and he would point me in a direction. Now, anything, how many can attest to this? Anything God given, when God gives you a direction, it's literally like an arrow pointing in that direction. There's no tutorial. There's, there's no exact location. It's just go in that direction. 
and my perceptions over over the years have changed of what's important and what's not important and what what is the focal point and what what is not needs to necessarily need to be the focal point and and refocusing on what have you been called to do what were you called to do what has god placed on your heart as an individual that there's something that needs to be done now when I, remember, when we're younger, we have a different view of this. It's always on a larger scale, and it's in front of a lot of people. But as time goes on, that the calling takes a different, uh, has a different look to it. The tint changes a little bit. The brightness of it changes a little bit. The calling is still there. But you understand it differently. It makes more sense now. There are things that God spoke to me. I remember at bedside when I was 18, 19 years old that I had no understanding about what he was telling me. It sounded like I, I think I understand what he means, but I realized I had no clue. I had no clue what, I was, what, what he was trying to tell me then and what he was imparting in my life and pointing me in a direction. And I think, I think that at times we, we need that call back to us again and, and to... And to ask ourselves that question, what has God put in my heart to do for him? Because we all agree that there's something to be done. But I think we also all agree that if we always defer to the next person and waiting for them, it's like, you know, I'm waiting on you to get your call so you can go ahead and take care of all of this. No, it's, it's always on us. And, and there will always be something on your life. Now, it doesn't have to be glamorous. In fact... Most of it's not. Most of it's not. Something that God is ticking on you, you know. So it can be as simple as ministering to an individual. You ever had you ever had something laid on your heart and God was saying, I need you to speak to them. Amen. I need you to speak to them. And keep troubling you about it. Keep dealing with you about it. Now that's now that's not a glamorous call. But that's a call, nonetheless, about something very specific dealing with you to move onto something or into something or to talk to someone. Whatever the situation is, there's something there driving you and pushing you to go into that next stage of your life. And so I want to take you to some scriptures, and I actually want to talk to you about a group of people that were, were in a similar situation. You can turn to the book of Haggai tonight. I want to show you some things that, that was given to me. There, say amen. Amen. Get in there, okay. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Now, I want you to get that because this is the Lord saying this. This is the Lord saying this. This people says the time has not come the time that the lord's house should be built now let me give you a bit of a backstory 
as to why this was said. The prophet Haggai was speaking to um, the exiled uh, people of God who had been taken captive by the Babylonians. They had been exiled for some 70 years. And so they're coming out of exile now, and they're starting to reestablish themselves in, into what was supposed to be their promised land, and it's supposed to be prosperity, and it's supposed to be good things, and all of these things are supposed to be given to them. Now, you remember, if you know the story, you'll know why they were taken into captivity. Because of sin. And so, judgment had been issued. Now, they've come out of that judgment, but something's not right. Even after coming out of that, there's been some years have passed, and they have not rebuilt the temple that they were supposed to rebuild. So, if you understand the temple, the temple's we under, the, the temple's the centerpiece uh, for God's people. This is where um, all the worship is done. This is where um, uh, this is where the the presence of God presides in the ark. This is where all these things take place, and they were supposed to rebuild the temple because it was in ruins. Well, you think this would be a no-brainer. You think this wouldn't be that big of a deal? He's like, "Yeah, we'll just build the temple, and uh, everything would be great. We'll build our lives around God." Well, what had happened is there were some people come in. There were some distractions. There were already people that were established in the land because they were gone and in captivity. So there were some uh, other. I believe it was the Samaritans had moved in in some of the area, and they literally acted as a distraction to keep them from rebuilding that temple and making God the centerpiece of their life. So the most important aspect about this was the construction, like literal construction, like, okay, build this temple and let's start the process of worship and let's get back to being obedient to what God has commanded us to do. So they come out of exile and the people start filing back into the land, but the temple is not getting finished. As a matter of fact, they stopped the construction altogether. This is why he's quoting this, and God is saying, he's saying, you're saying that the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So it's not time for that yet. We don't, we don't have time to build the temple. We've got other things that are going on. Now, I'm not giving you, even, I'm not even giving you a, uh, an example here. That's literally what was going on. They were distracted. I don't have time for that. We've got, we're busy. We've got other things going on. I think it had actually been, I think it was 16 years from the time of, from the time they had been released to the time of, uh, to this point right here, was a 16-year delay. That's quite a long time. A 16-year delay in actually seeing the temple built. All right, let's, let's just move on. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now he ends with a question mark. He asks a question. Is it time that you're in your paneled houses? Now, what paneled houses means, it literally means a house with all the embellishments and decorations. That's what it means. And so what the Lord is bringing out here, he said, you've had no problem building your house. You've had no problem building all of your houses. And see, the command was, and the start is supposed to be at the temple. You build the temple first, 
and then you build yourself around that. But what they done was they just let the temple go and they said, we're going to go and build our houses. I thought, I seen that disconnection. And you think, well, you know, the temple is not the same anymore. You're right, it's not. The temple's right here. And I st it still applies. It still applies. Are you going to live in your paneled houses? And you're going to let your temple lie in ruins? We have so many reasons today to be distracted. We have so many reasons. So Sean and I have talked about it. We talked about the, the level... You've got, you've got so many excuses that you could give. So many reasons why we could say that we're not building the temple like it needs to be built. I'm just busy. I'm, I've got things going on. And what God was doing here was he wasn't giving them any leniency. You think, man, these people come out of slavery. It had been hard. didn't matter. If you look into it, you know, God had called these people to work. They, they, they knew better from where, what they had come out of. They know why they had ended up in captivity. And so it's like, okay, after all this time of being in captivity, all right, let's get it right this time, guys. Go out, build the temple, and let's do it by the numbers. And they get distracted. Now, it wasn't, me a, judge, it wasn't a judgment that he was casting on them. It was a, you could say it was, uh, it was a reprimand. He was saying, hey, you're distracted. Let's come back to the original construction of this thing and let's understand where our priorities are at. So we, we come in here and, and I, know the, I know the routine, the spirit, I, call it, I call it a spiritual routine. And cognitively in my head, I know it very well. I know that God is supposed to be first. We all know that, right? Because we talk about it in church so much. And there's no way you can not know it in your head. I know that God is supposed to be first. But sometimes our actions tell otherwise. They tell otherwise. And it's even shown in here when they said, he said, you're saying that it's not the time. It's not time for the Lord's house to be built. And I thought that's so interesting because that's just like people today. It's not time and I'm going to use this as a generalization. It's not time that I go to church. It's not time for that yet. It's not time that I change my life. It's not time that I lay these things down and, and start focusing on it. It's not time for that yet. I thought, I'm thinking to myself, for me, on, for me, man, if we don't get it now, are you ever going to get it? I mean, if you, if you just watch the news and you don't think it's, if now is not the time to serve the Lord, then when? <laughs> then when is it exactly? I have sensed in my spirit for quite some time the seriousness of what we're involved in right now, and I truly believe there's nothing anybody can tell me otherwise to convince me in another way. We are in a time right now where things are being divided. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you will serve him. And if you are not going to, you will not serve him. There is some serious dividing going on. I can feel it in my spirit. I can feel the grief of the Holy Spirit. And I would even tell you, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to tell you, at times it has troubled me so deep that I don't even know what to do with it. I'm like, 
I don't even know what to do. Pray. God, help us to, to commit ourselves to you and to, and to get refocused and to understand that there is, there's nothing more important than you. Amen. And I believe it comes down to this example in Haggai where he's telling them, listen to me. Listen, you're telling me it's not time. I'm telling you it's past time to have the temple built. And I'm using, I'm using when I say temple, I'm using, it's obviously literal here, but the temple right here in each one of us that has to have constant work, that has to have constant uh, maintenance, that has to be fed and watered on a daily basis, or you die spiritually. Agreed? This temple right here. And so I would say to, to, to anybody that is claiming Christianity and calling ourselves Christian, and I'm, I'm kind of like you, Pastor. I'm like three fingers back at me. Anybody that would call themselves Christian to consider their priorities Amen. and to consider what is really important in light of such a great sacrifice and such a great salvation. I, I don't know what to, I, you almost don't even know what to do with it. It's so great. It calls for your attention. It calls for it. And so he was telling them here, he was telling them, he was calling out what they were saying. And he said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins? You've gotten, you got the nice stuff. You got the nice houses. You're living well. Things are going pretty good for you. What about my temple? I think, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking American. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to keep saying that. I'm thinking American. I'm like, all this, all the riches that you and I enjoy, but what about that temple? What about the temple? What, what about the building of it? What about the construction of it? And we're promised so many blessings by God if we'll only make sure that he remains first. But first, first is very sacrificial. Can we, can we agree tonight that keeping God first is difficult? That's one of the things I look for. Keeping God first should be difficult. You should have to battle your flesh on a daily basis. It concerns me, for me, if somehow this is supposed to be easy. It's not easy. It's not. This is sacrificial. You will spend most of your time doing things that you don't want to do. Well, I don't really have time to go to church tonight, but I'm going to go anyway. And it's and it's sometimes we could you could even say, well, it's a hassle sometimes. Yes, it's supposed to be. Isn't that the point? Isn't that why they call it service? It's service. It's servitude. Yes, it's servitude. It's kind of meant to be hard. And it's meant to be difficult. And a little bit in, uh, imposing and... Uh, a little bit, um, a little bit in your business, and a, just just a bit, and maybe it, maybe it's supposed to rub you the wrong way. It's like, man, this church stuff—it's it, a little bit more invasive than I thought. It is, but I've also learned to accept that too, and I understand that being close to the Lord, uh, it means sacrifice, and there'll be things that you'll have to give up in your life, the things that you—you'll do things that you never thought you would do. You will give up things that you never thought you'd give up for the sake of Christ. Just because you say, you say, I love you. I love the Lord. And I do. I love the Lord. But it's interesting to me, as time has went on, as I continue to say I love the Lord, 
different things start falling off. And he's called me to that. Drop that. Drop that. Get rid of that. And it's like, man, I feel like you're taking everything away. <laughs> it's a part of the walk. It's sacrificial. We make the sacrifice to stay close to our God. We make the sacrifice to make sure that the paneled houses are not the most important thing and that the temple gets the uh, attention that it's needed in order to make sure that it's correct worship unto God. Okay, let me, ju- let me just, let's keep going. Um, he says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. Who created sowing and reaping? Well, God did. He created that. And his whole intention was that his people, above all people, would uh, understand the process of reaping and sowing and being able to be prosperous in it. But if you'll notice what he says here. Now, now let's consider, consider the location. The last 16 years, where they've been? Back where they belong. Okay? They're back where they belong. They're God's people, right? Everything seems to be right. This should be an open and shut case. No problem. But he's saying here, and, and I'm not going to read too deep into this, but he's saying the action's there, but the blessings are gone. Uh-huh. The actions are there, but the blessings are gone. And, th- and this is how he's saying He said, you've sown much. That's the action. You're doing it. You're going through the motions. And he said, but it brings in little. Well, that's not like God, right? So if there's something wrong with this, uh, the reciprocity process, something's out of balance. Something's not right. Now, I'm not going to tell you, and I want to make sure that I say this right, I, I'm not going to tell you that you're, oh, every time you do something, it's just going to end in prosperity. That's not the right thing to think. But you have to understand what he means by this. And there were promised blessings that were supposed to come to God's people that were not getting there because they were not making him first. And I will still stand by that, that it's the same today for us. You will be missing out on blessings if God is not first. Amen. It kind of had an appearance that everything was okay because they were going through the motions and they were in the right location. But something was not right. Something was out of balance. And it's that way in this nation. It is exactly the same way. It feels, you feel protected. It feels good. You think there's nothing wrong. There's food on every shelf and I can access money with a piece of plastic and I can do anything I want anytime I want to. It seems like everything is blessed. But I'm real careful about how I do this because this is the way the Lord has laid it on my heart. But gas is like almost $4 a gallon and inflation is on the rise and there's people not being able to get certain products in anymore. And you're thinking, well, what's going on here? I'll tell you this, and I'd love to blame people, but it's sin. It's sin. Yes, yes. Could we? Could could the administration do a better job? Yeah, <laughs> that's another story. But I'm not really even referring to that. I'm referring to a country that will not put God first. Come and on. if God was put first, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have inflation issues. Amen. Uh, th- this is this is the truth, and, I, and I've. I've looked into this and listened to a lot of different people talk about the economics in this country, and they'll even tell you there's no reason that we should have 
issues. Like for some weird reason, like our revenue is enormously high. There's not a revenue issue, but yet we have a massive national debt, can't get it under control, can't budget correctly, inflation's on the rise, uh, have, have awful interpersonal relations with foreign uh, countries. What's happening? What's the problem? You think we always, we always think we got to get a different guy in the White House. It's a sin issue. It's a sin issue. The people will not make God first. If you make God first, all of that, all these other things will begin to line up. They'll line up correctly, but the people have got to serve the Lord. They've got to serve him. Now, as I said, the administration, yeah, they can do a better job, but that's a different story. But there's, there's something that's out of balance. It's like all these things are in place. Why are we having issues? We should not be having issues. You're right. We shouldn't be having issues. But yet here we are. Okay. So he said, you've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. And you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, this is a good one. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. It's like your money just disappears. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Does anyone ever feel that way? <laughs> and I want, I want to keep this in the right context, of course. So when he's, when he's talking about, he's talking about all the things that should be um, normal blessings, the clothing, the food, the water. These are things that are promised of the Lord if you put him first. Amen. If you put him first, he said, I'll provide all those things to you. I'll take care of all those things for you. You won't have to worry about none of those things. Does that, does that mean you'll have so much you don't know what to do with it? Not necessarily, but they, what he's saying is, I will provide. I will take care of you. But he's pointing out, you're noticing there's a massive shortage of these. This is not, it's, something's not right. You're in the land that's supposed to have all these good things, but yet something's not right because you're not producing and so he goes on to say, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says it again. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. I'm going to back up for just a minute here and look at what he says here. He says, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Right here, we have a very specific command that he, he tells them, you go get the wood and you build this temple because pleasing me should be your top priority. And when I read that, I, I, I stopped and I thought, wow, wait a second. That's really good. Pleasing God should be our top priority. What God can I do with my life that would please you. Sometimes, look, church, sometimes it's hard. It's hard at times, and I, I would even say, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to even say it. Sometimes we're, we are so caught up in pleasure of self and pleasing ourselves, and I'm not knocking anything that you're working for or even some of the things that God has distributed to you that you know that, that God has given you. I'm not even referring to, to the blessings of God. I'm talking about this lust for constant pleasure and constant self. Always 
being the forefront of everything that goes on around us. And, and, and we have to fight against it constantly. It's a, I would even say it's a constant temptation to want to please myself. It's a constant temptation to want to bring myself a little bit more comfort, a little bit more pleasure. We talked about that in the past. It's like, you know, when, when is enough enough? Like, when do you actually stop? And if you're not careful, you never will. There'll always be the next level of pleasure. There'll always be another plane to achieve. Always a next step to go uh, and, and get there, wanting to get more for yourself. And God is always getting left in the back. He's always, he's always the back note. In the construction and the furtherment of this temple, it ends up lying in ruins. It ends up falling apart because we're not putting him where he belongs. We're not putting him at the center. He's an interest. I would even say he's kind of, it's kind of like he's a love interest. He's a love interest. You heard people talk about their love interest? Eh, I don't know if we're really together. We kind of got a thing. It's a love interest. People look at God that way. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. He's good. But I'm really busy. He's, he's been dealing with me. But he knows I got a lot going on, so I'll, I'll get to that eventually. This is why I told you, asked you in the beginning, what has God been dealing with you about? What has he been pulling on your heartstrings about? And I'm not, I'm not talking about grandeur, okay? Let's get that out of our minds. I'm not talking about grandeur. It's something as simple. Let me just say this. It's simple. It's coming down to this altar and praying in the middle of a service. Something as simple as that. What is he dealing with you about? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be laced with all these things. And I think that that's what actually is the distraction. Because he was telling them about their, their homes and how pretty they had been looking. You got your homes fixed up real good. I think a, a lot of times that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the prettiness to everything. It needs to be laced really, really good for me to be involved. It needs to yield something of high reward if you want me to be a part of that. And it takes some time for us to, to reevaluate ourselves and, and to... And to really make sure that we're being obedient to what we've been asked to do. And that we are following him the way that he has called us to follow him. Uh, we will we will give account for this word. We will. And I know this. Absolutely. We've talked about this. You've heard it from Pastor. We'll give account for what we should have been doing according to this word. But there's another angle to giving account. I believe also you will give account to your personal call and what God has spoken to your life and were you obedient to God and what he was telling you to do. I kept telling you to go talk to him. Why didn't you go talk to him? I kept telling you to, to, to come down and, and to pray and to let them pray for you, but you fought it. Every, every time I asked you to do it, you fought it. Every time I, I, I tried to deal with you, you pushed me away. You wanted something more... Uh, uh, conservative, <laughs> something less invasive, <coughs> something that didn't rub you wrong all the time. This is, like I said, this thing right here takes constant maintenance, and it's going to require us to take a very hard look at ourselves. 
and make sure and consider our ways, as, as he was saying, to consider our ways and, that, and to consider our obedience. Okay. And he said, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? He asked that question, why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Uh-oh. <laughs> he said it right there. Now, you have to understand what he meant here when he, when he said that uh, there would be dew that was withheld. Well, there wasn't a lot of rainfall in this area. There wasn't a lot of rainfall. So what, what was given to them is a dew that would fall, that would saturate the crops, and would allow things to grow. And um, that's how they prospered with their, um, uh, with their uh, farming and things of that nature. So when he says, I'm withholding the dew, all of a sudden, in a, in a pretty well drought-ridden land anyway, the dew stops. Like, okay, you're not paying attention. You're not listening. I'm pulling the dew. Oh, did you, did you forget that the dew came from me? Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a second. Oh, this all does come from God, doesn't it? Wait a second. He also said, and the earth withhold its fruit. You will not have land that will produce as long as I am being second. I cannot allow that to happen. I've got to do something to wake you up. Pay attention. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Pay attention. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and all the labor of your hands. So the king of kings shows up and, and gives this word. And he said, he says, you're not, uh, you're not being obedient. And you've strayed off of path. You've gotten away from it. And, and pastors talked about this to this church and uh, uh, along, this, along these lines. Look at the signs around you. Uh -huh. Look at the signs around you. Can you see that things are changing? Can you see God's hand moving off of this nation? Amen. And, and the things that are beginning to pile up? Mm -hmm. And I see the parallels. I see the parallels. It's like, and I, and, and I see God taking his hand off, and then all of a sudden, we're starting to see all of the excess. Because we're a country of excess, and it's only by God. And all of a sudden, the excess has gotten less excessive. And then a little, a little more less excessive. Do you, can you already see that's, that God is sending the signal? He's like, hey, come on, wake up. wake up. And the first people that have to wake up is his own people sitting in the church. I'm not saying that you're asleep. I'm not saying that. But if you are, it might be a good time to wake up. It's been a challenge to me. It's like, hey, hey, this all comes from me. You didn't do anything. Everything that has been given to you and I is only by God's hand. And if he so chooses... Things can get really difficult really, really fast. Amen. Really fast. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to present a doom and gloom type scenario. That's not what I'm trying to, to do. I'm, I want to challenge you tonight. As the Bible challenged, as Haggai, the prophet, challenged uh, the leaders saying, consider your ways. 
consider your ways. This is a word from God to them. Consider what you're doing. And I'm not even saying, and this is the way I've taken this word, there wasn't, there wasn't like heinous sin involved. They had already been judged for all that. It wasn't, it wasn't even like this, that there was this awful thing that was going on like a Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't like that. They had slipped up and they just weren't putting him first. Come on, he had taken a back seat. And everything looked as though it was okay, but it wasn't okay. It wasn't. And so that's the challenge for, for you and I tonight, is to consider what we're doing, consider our priorities. Mm-hmm. And let's make sure that we're putting him really first. Not, kind of looks like he's first. And what is first to you? That's what I want to leave you with tonight, is what does... What is that for you? Because I know what it is for me. I know how much I'm supposed to pray. I know it. It's not a number, but I know it. I know how I spo- I'm supposed to seek God when he's supposed to be first. I know what it looks like. I know exactly how to do it. After these years, I spent time with him. I know what happens when I get away from that. Uh, I, I used to call it um, my, my sword. I know what it's like when my sword is dull, and I know what it's like when my sword is sharp. I know what habits I have to have and what discipline I have to have in order for it to stay sharp. I know it. But the question is, will we do it? So what is that to you tonight? What, what makes your sword sharp? How do, we, how do we keep God first in our lives and be obedient to his word? Uh, it's, more than, it's more than just something we say. It will be our actions, and our heart will be greatly involved in it. And as, as Pastor talked about this morning, you, you'll be joyful. You'll be able to enjoy true peace. You'll be able to enjoy the blessings of God. Um, as, we, as we move further into this, this uh, season, I call it a season. <laughs> as we move further into the season, and we see the things that are going on, and we watch these things unfold, I don't care what happens as far as you know what takes place in government and things of that nature nothing can trump the hand of God Amen. nothing can trump that hand and I know that God's true people his true people will continue to be blessed that blessing may come from a different place it may not look the same but God will still take care of his children regardless of what happens in this country Amen. he'll keep his hand on us but you have to establish yourself as a child of God, making sure he's first. Would you stand?